Welcome to The Kingdom is for Everyone. This is your host, Matthew Hester, and this is the place to discuss all things righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to take just a moment to thank our Hester Ministries monthly supporters. You help make this podcast a reality, as well as the many things we do for the sake of the gospel around the world. We cannot thank you enough. We also invite you to like this podcast, share it. Please do leave us a five-star review so we can get in front of as many people as possible. Also, do us a favor. Check out the homepage for this podcast. Go to anchor.fm slash the kingdom for everyone. That's the number for everyone. You'll find information on how to become a supporter of the podcast. Also, you have the ability to be interactive with one of our upcoming episodes. You click on that message tab, leave us a voice message or a question that we would love to feature on an upcoming episode of our podcast. Here at The Kingdom is for Everyone, we want you to be more than an audience. We want you to be a participant. You know, and I would also just add uh, in, in the way that you can participate ways that uh, aren't financial, but just take a little bit of your time. It really does encourage us when you answer questions about our podcast, when you post links and tag us in it, when you post in Hester Ministries and just talk about how much this podcast is blessing you, that really does mean the world to us. And it helps to give us an idea of what is speaking to you, what is ministering to you. And that's obviously more content that we want to go after. And so, Please interact. Just take you wouldn't believe just taking 30 seconds out of your day answering a question, one of our polls, one of our questions attached to one of our podcast episodes through Spotify or uh, yeah, like I said tagging us on Facebook, wherever. Uh, we certainly appreciate your input and your feedback. Okay, well, let's jump into episode 63. Uh, this episode is going to be one of our questions. Now, that's a good question episode. And, uh, and this question uh, is one that I have been asked many times, um, and it is, did Jesus fulfill the law? What do I mean by that? What does it mean that Jesus fulfilled the law? And so that's what we're going to jump into a little bit in this episode, and I believe it's really going to help somebody out there. I pray that it does. Okay, so let's just, let's just jump straight into this. Um, start. I want to start with Matthew five because I think that's the verse that the verse says that most people kind of the issue gets a little gray. Uh, perhaps we get a little entrenched in our perspective or our view, and so we're gonna basically the words of Jesus. This is from the mouth of Jesus, from the source, so to speak, uh, and, and this is how it goes. Matthew five, starting at verse seventeen. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so let's pause right there. Anytime I say that the law is done, it's finished, it does not apply anymore. A lot of people will quote that verse. Hey, Jesus even said, I didn't come to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so it's almost like me saying the law is done is I'm I'm disagreeing with Jesus or Jesus would disagree with me. Um, but you got to keep reading because Never forget, probably one of the fundamental ways that is healthy for us to study and approach Scripture uh, is through context. Or, I mean, it, it's been said widely, context is king. Uh, and and I, would, I would say, if it's not king, it's queen. Uh, you know, king probably is looking through a, a, a Christ hermeneutic. you you, you got to see and view all of Scripture through the Word made flesh. Uh, and, and that probably in my book is definitely king. But uh, context is pretty... Uh, pretty close there. It, it's in the, the top for sure. And so you keep reading verse 18, for for I tell you, so Jesus, that's not his only thought. He, he keeps talking. I tell you until, now see right there, there's a lot of things that hinge on that word until. So in other words, he said, I didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it because I'm going to tell you, okay, 
until heaven and earth disappear. Not, not one letter or the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until, there's that word again, everything is accomplished. So two untils. So he said, okay, the law is going to remain until something happens. And then we have to, again, looking through a Jesus hermeneutic, looking through a context hermeneutic, looking through a, a, a culture, culturally relevant hermeneutic, what's the untils, right? And when did those happen? Have they happened yet? Have they? Is it in our past? Is it in our future? Uh, verse 19, therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so here we've got to break down some things just to help in our perspective. You know, sometimes we need help to understand what certain terms mean, and 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 not the least of which would be terms like heaven and earth. See, we we transpose our 21st century understanding on these words, and we don't stop to think, what did these words mean specifically for the audience of that day? And so, you know, during the time of the Tabernacle of Moses, I mean, we're going all the way back. Uh, this is pre-cross. This is this is uh, pre the life and ministry of Jesus by long shot. Uh, you see this pattern from, from the tabernacle of Moses, uh, you know, the, and that's the pattern for Solomon's temple. The chambers were called the heavens and the earth, right? And, and the sea, outer court, inner court, holy place. So the holy, the holy of holies was called the heavens. And this is the dwelling place of God. It's where the ark of the covenant would be behind that veil. The holy place was called the earth, that, that larger section, that's that's where the priesthood ministered to God in prayer. Uh, and then the outer court was called the sea, where, where those outside the priesthood gathered. And, you know, we know in AD 70, and, and again, this is, uh, this is not a deep dive into eschatology, but we know in AD 70, the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem, and the body of Christ became the temple not made with human hands. So there's, there's never uh, been a physical temple since that day that God cares two cent about, and he probably didn't care two cent about the other ones either. Honestly, God's not a God that, that cares to really dwell in houses, and we miss that all throughout human history. Uh, never, nevertheless, I digress. Um, so, so now the the body of Christ is the temple, not made with human hands. Many temples, the body of Christ is the new Jerusalem, is the new heavens and the new earth, uh, and, and we became a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And there's no more sea, the outer court, because all have become priests. So there's no more uh, separation between the priest and the people, because we are all now part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar people, the family of God, all. Are priests. Uh, Isaiah 65, 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former will not be remembered nor come to mind. Now, again, that's Isaiah 65. That's prophesying into the day of the Lord, not, not the day that we often uh, project as a future coming day of the Lord. In Isaiah, I mean, the day of the Lord, the history, we call the life and ministry of Jesus, that was a future prophecy in Isaiah 65. Uh, and then Revelation 21, Verse 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I just want to help you here. Just, I mean, just, you're talking about basics. Okay, so Isaiah, when he is alive and he is uttering these prophetic words, they are going to be in future, right? He's prophesying about the messianic work of Jesus. Now, this is, this is categorized as the mystical work, 
because it's not the flesh and blood of Jesus that's doing this, right? This is the, the Spirit of the Lord ushering in the, the, uh, the new heavens and the new earth. And then Revelation 21 says, look, and there it is. So we, we would be wise to sim- simplistically connect the dots. Isaiah prophesied it. Revelation says, there it is. So both Isaiah looks into the future, in the day it's written, Revelation is telling us that it's now fulfilled. Now, even for us, Revelation is past tense, right? So that really helps us with some perspective. You know, too much uh, of the world's ethic is to strike back, get even, do unto others like they do to you. And that's really kind of the law. I mean, that is the law. Many times the justification for retaliation, it is the ancient law. Think about that. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You know, and I I have to admit, uh, I'll just be honest, that this, I mean, this type of retaliatory ethic to right an injustice, it's appealing. It is an appealing part to me, especially when I feel like I have been wrong, like, hey, okay, you made fun of me. I'm going to come after you. Punch me. I'm going to punch you harder. Uh, you, you know, you, you um, insulted me. How dare you? And we, we just take matter into our own hands. But then, you know, Jesus says, no, you, <laughs> you don't get to use an eye for an eye. That is not a justification for personal revenge. You don't get to do that. Instead, he says, turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Turn over two garments if you're sued for one. Oh, and give to the one who asks from you. Jesus' teaching is not merely legal and technical. I mean, it extends deeply and profoundly into the practical situations of conflict, oppression, and even the needs of everyday life, yeah, right? So the institution of Lex Talionis, that, that's, that is, oh, it's integrated deeply into the Mosaic law for the nation of Israel, you know, and, and the ruling authorities. I mean, it was, you know, I believe... I mean, it was a real advancement for the cause of justice at that time, right? Designed to prevent personal actions of retaliation, revenge, those kind of things. You know, the injured person or relative of the injured person could go to, you know, the governing judicial authority in Israel, seek justice. But what should the appropriate punishment be in the case of murder, right? Or or maiming? You know, this is where the law comes into play, right? A life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. The punishment must fit the crime, you know, no more than the crime, but also no less. This I'm, I'm just telling you how the law works. And so, again, the, the pointed question of this session is, did Jesus come to fulfill the law? Uh, and that's kind of what we're leaning into here. It, it was, you know, the law was strict, but fair, right, to a degree. But it was also designed to prevent and deter such crimes. So, you know, hey, you kill somebody, their family has the right to kill you. That, that makes you really think long and hard, right, about uh, going after someone. Um, and, and so it was, you know, okay, the law was there by large, and I would say in the beginning, uh, there to remove punitive actions for crimes from the hands of the victim and his family and, and put them into the hands of the governing judicial system. And, and so it was designed as a principle of, I, we'd say proportional justice. It was, it was also designed to appropriately punish the offender. And, and this is the irony and the abuse of how people misunderstand this law. And it is misunderstood now the same way it was misunderstood at the time of Jesus. A law that was designed to prevent actions of personal retaliatory revenge is used to justify it. And we still see that today. Um, and the misunderstanding of the law would say if someone slaps you on the cheek, slap him back, after all, Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's that's the, I mean, that's the foundation. If someone sues you, sue them back. If if you're forced to go a mile by a Roman soldier, resist and fight back. Jesus is trying to confront that type of teaching and mindset. I mean, he, yeah, that's not how we live in the kingdom of God. 
um, this that this law that you live by, I'm I'm doing away with it because this is crazy. And so I, again, I want to be clear that God wants us to take actions of personal revenge out of our hands. We don't get to do it. I mean, we we can turn. We okay again. The heart of the law, I believe where the law was trying to have this integrity, is turn them over to governmental authorities if appropriate. And if that doesn't work, then we still need to turn them over to God, right? And as Paul states, you know, in Romans, don't repay evil for evil. Uh, Don't avenge yourselves. Rather, give place to wrath for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It's in Romans 12, uh, 17, and 19. And um, so, yeah, I mean... Again, did Jesus come to fulfill the law? Well, uh, he did. and uh, But in the fulfillment of the law, it's also the end of it. I, I feel like we, we, we oftentimes are on the fence of can we do, do both work? Like um, you can't do away with the law, and I don't know how that, that, that mentality plays out. Uh, but so Jesus fulfilled the law. He kept it, and most of the time the way he kept it looked more like breaking it. But he fulfilled the requirements of the law, and and you look at the requirements of the law, really are, it's a life for a life. Uh, And so Jesus gave his life freely, was guilty of nothing, and it was almost like basically throwing this huge wrench in more of a culturally uh, relevant, um, you know, example. It's almost like Neo in the Matrix getting plugged in and completely disrupts the entire system. Uh, and so that's essentially what Jesus did, disrupted the entire law system and and really um, destroyed it internally because th- then it could no longer hold the power of sin. It could no longer be our accuser. Uh, and we are free to this day because Jesus fulfilled the law, and then the heavens and the earth passed away. There's no more sea, and we are now part of a royal priesthood nation. He's the high priest. We're the royal priest. Uh, and so that verbiage, uh, we've got to take it out of what we would call um, you know, just literalism as we project it, right? So we look at heavens and earth, and we think of this planet, we're li- this ball of, we're, of dirt we're living on, we think of heaven, I guess, is somewhere up there, or maybe you're super spiritual and it's you know it's the kingdom of God. It's an unseen realm that co-occupies. The okay, whatever. And the sea, uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what that sea is, but it's so. And I get it. It's so hard for us to wrap our minds around the thought that right now we're living in the new heavens, in the new earth, that we are the new heavens and the new earth, because when we look around, things just don't look like what we hoped heaven, a new heaven or new earth would look like. But when we can see the new heaven and the new earth, it's 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 reality, it's creation that is no longer bound to the requirements of the law. And so now we're actually able, if you can receive this, to rule the world with love and grace. And we've got to start just living as Jesus did. Imagine if the church in mass began to live like Jesus around the world. Well then, I mean, we I think we'd be amazed at how quickly the world would would change. I mean, pro- probably dramatically overnight. You know, is it true that God can can save a nation in a day, change a nation in a day? Absolutely. You know, when when the people in that nation that have a revelation of the awakening of who they are in Jesus and then they begin to reflect that nature in mass, you talk about revival. We'll have to have a new word. I mean, revival won't even sound right. It won't even cut it. You know, global transformation, national um, you know, national transformation. Uh, but we, we, we still have to make sure that, that the requirements of the law and, and all that stuff remains dead to us, that we remain dead to it. Um, and embracing the life that Jesus has, 
uh, equipped us for and designed us for. It's a life of freedom where love and freedom are the two highest priorities. They are the two um, highest pillars of, of how we operate and how God operates with us. It's, it's love and freedom, guys. Those are the two high standards of the kingdom of God. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's the world we live in. And I just want to encourage you, spread that love, man. Spread that world with everyone that you encounter. And so we can be thankful that Jesus fulfilled the law. He kept the requirements of the law. But again, not as we would say they should be kept. Again, he, he broke them, it seemed, oftentimes at surface level, broke them over and over again. The Pharisees, I mean, they're like, this dude has no regard for the law, you know? And, and uh, yeah, so anyway, um, I hope that helps to answer the question. Uh, and if you have a question you would love for us to attempt to give a go at in one of our upcoming podcast episodes, reach out to us. We'd love to feature it in a Now That's a Good Question episode. And uh, if you like these, let us know, and we'll continue doing these as well. We've got several themes kind of running, difficult verses, Now That's a Good Question, conversations, and then just, you know, if I don't hear from you, I'm just going to talk about things that I'm interested in uh, until you say otherwise. All right. Well, that'll be our episode for today, and I pray that it's blessed you. Just want to remind you of a couple things before we finish up. Uh, please go to our websites, hesterministries.org. Find out where we're going to be in meetings. There's product there. Uh, there's books. There's audio series that can help you uh, to pursue more of what I talked about in this episode. Also, go to presenttruthacademy.org. We are... Um, getting ready. It's it's crazy. We're already well past the halfway mark of the God who looks like Jesus, a study track. Go there and avail yourself of that material. We would love to partner with you in your journey into truth. Uh, man, finish out this year strong. You can start your new year on fire, right? Just pursuing uh, some, I believe, some of the best and most relevant material out there. Uh, but yeah, you got to go there and sign up and, and, and get to it. We'd love to help you there. Uh, we do want to remind you, like this podcast, share it. Please leave a five-star review. That helps us get in front of as many people as possible. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Thanks for letting us be a part of your Tuesdays or whenever you listen to these episodes. It really does mean the world to us. We know you have your choice. I mean, now more than ever, you have your choice of, of the, the great feast uh, and that you would take some time to allow us to have some space at your table. It really does mean the world to us. All right, God bless you. Have an amazing week. Cannot wait to join you next week. Um, for our next episode. Uh, I want to sign off here the way that we do here at our podcast. If the kingdom isn't for everyone, well, then it's not for anyone. God bless you. <laughs>